You might remember uh, that on uh, June the 23rd, 2018, uh, a junior football team in Thailand, uh, aged between 11 and 16, uh, entered a cave with their 25-year-old assistant coach after a football practice session. Uh, Shortly afterwards, uh, heavy rainfall uh, partially flooded the cave system and it blocked their way out. And efforts to locate the group were hampered by rising water levels and strong currents and no contact was made for nearly two weeks until two divers, two British divers as it happens, uh, were able to find them and uh, eventually they were able to get these Um, this young football team and their coach out of the cave. Uh, But I don't know if you can imagine what it must have been like to be one of those um, young boys, or that coach for that matter, in that cave with the rising water levels, uh, surrounded with no way out. It must have been terrifying. It must have been absolutely paralysing to wonder what was going to happen next. Well, that was perhaps something like David felt when he wrote this psalm, Psalm 57. You'll notice as we saw at the beginning, uh, this was a psalm um, which he wrote either during or regarding his time when he was in the cave hiding from King Saul. You remember how King Saul was chasing him around the wilderness, wanting to kill him? He'd already tried to kill him at least once. And now David was hiding with a number of his men in a cave. And he is surrounded by his enemies. Not surrounded by water, like that football team, but surrounded by men with spears and swords who were seeking his life. And you can see how he describes it in verse 4. Uh, In verse 4, David says, My soul is among lions. I lie among the sons of men who are set on fire, whose teeth are spears and arrows, and their tongue a sharp sword. He says he feels like he's surrounded by enemies who are like they're on fire, and everywhere he looks, he can just see deadly flames. Uh, He says their teeth are like spears and arrows. He's surrounded, as it were, by wild animals, and there doesn't seem to be any obvious way of escape. And it's not just a physical danger that he's in. Uh, It's spiritual um, danger, if you like, as well. Look at what it says in verse 6. It says, They have prepared a net for my steps. My soul is bowed down. They have dug a pit before me. He says, my soul is bowed down. Uh, He's miserable. He's anxious. He's afraid. Uh, He is in a cave physically, but he's also in a cave spiritually, completely hemmed in. Uh, There seems to be a barrier between him and heaven. I wonder if you've ever felt like that yourself. Um, trustfully, you've never been surrounded in a cave by men with swords and spears or even guns and worse. Uh, but perhaps you have been betrayed by others. Uh, perhaps you felt like you're surrounded by people who hate you. 
uh, people you cannot trust, people who misunderstand you, uh, people who uh, you thought were your friends but they turned out not to be. Uh, perhaps you felt it in a spiritual sense. Perhaps you felt oppressed by Satan himself uh, with doubts, fears, uh, anxieties, and these things weigh down on your heart, on your soul, and you, like David, can say you feel bowed down and you feel like there's no way of escape. Uh, you feel like you're in the dark, like there is a stone wall between you and God. That's something like David felt in this psalm. He's miserable, he's lonely, he's anxious, and he's fearful. But David is not hopeless. And that's the chief lesson of this psalm. Despite this very difficult, to put it mildly, situation, David is not without hope. Did you notice how he started the psalm? Verse 1, he says, Be merciful to me, O God. Be merciful to me, for my soul trusts in you. And in the shadow of your wings I will make my refuge until these calamities have passed by. I will cry out to God most high, who, to God who performs all things for me. He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. Although David's in a very tough situation, although he feels miserable, although he feels in the dark, he knows he still has hope because his trust is in God. Not in his feelings, not in the strength of his army, small as it is. His hope is in God. And what he does is he reminds himself of the promises of God. Did you notice what he said in verse uh, two, he says, I will cry out to God most high, to God who performs all things for me. And commentators agree that what he's referring to there is the promises which God gave to David. Now you can read it in, two, uh, in uh, when Samuel, the prophet Samuel, anoints David and chooses David out of all of Jesse's sons. And God anoints David to be king. Now, in the situation David's in at this moment, it doesn't look likely. It doesn't look likely he's going to be king. He's a vagabond. He's running in the wilderness. He's hiding in a cave from the person who really is king, King Saul. God's promises seem very unlikely. But David says, I trust God. I trust his promises, even though at the moment it's dark, even though at the moment it seems unlikely. Perhaps that's the chief way David feels like he's in a cave. Because, you know, a cave generally has one entrance and one exit. And David can see by faith that exit. He knows that God is for him. It's very sad uh, that many Christians uh, go through difficult experiences and they make their own experiences ten times worse because they are tempted to fear that if God was for them, if God was on their side, they would never be going through the experience in the first place. 
they think, surely if God was for me, he would have caused things differently so I wouldn't find myself in this dark cave. Uh, David might have felt that way. He said, if God is really my king, if God is really going to make me the king, then surely he would have removed Saul by now. Surely he wouldn't have had me being chased to and fro in this wilderness. Surely he wouldn't have had me run into this cave. That's not the case. God often leads us into dark places in order to demonstrate that even there he keeps his promises. He doesn't keep his promises by preventing the bad, dark things. He keeps his promise in spite of the bad, dark things. That is what God is doing with David here. And so many believers add to their pain by believing that if God were with them, then they would not be in pain at all. But the Bible's crystal clear. Your anxiety that you feel, your distress, your doubts, uh, the pain that you are feeling says absolutely nothing by itself about how near or far away God is. It feels like it. It feels like God is a long way away, but you cannot rely on your feelings to teach you that. Uh, We're learning with the children at YPF each week, Psalm 34, verse 18. Listen to what Psalm 34, verse 18 says. It says, The Lord is near to those who have a broken heart and saves such as have a contrite spirit. That's who God is near. If you are anxious, and if you are in distress, if you are doubting, and you're holding on to some pet sin, uh, if you're deliberately ignoring God in some way, and you are holding on to that despite your pain, your distress and difficulty, and you're nursing it, and you're treasuring it, and you're ignoring God, then God is not near you. God says the Lord is near to those who have a broken heart. What you are feeling is not the crucial factor with God. What matters is whether you are looking to him or not, despite your feeling. Now, there are many people who feel close to God, but they are the furthest away from him because they're clinging to their sin. There are others who feel a million miles away from God, but actually, if only they knew it, God is right there with them because they are open and honest before him. That's how David is in this psalm. Uh, David's in the dark, almost literally, but his heart is clear before God. He is looking to God. He is looking to God's promises and he is trusting that God will bring him into the light at some point because of his promises. And we can see his response Uh, in the last section of this psalm, and we'll spend the rest of our time just looking at verses 7 onwards. Uh, This is how David responds because of his faith in God in the dark situation he finds himself. Verse 7, he says, My heart is steadfast, O God. My heart is steadfast. I will sing and give praise. He says, I will sing and and give praise. But did you notice he says, my heart is steadfast. 
Why does he say that? He says that because he knows the situation is difficult. He's not saying my situation is easy. He's not saying it's light and I feel as uh, airy as a bird. (laughs) He's saying the situation is hard. It's difficult. I cannot see the light, but my heart is steadfast. I'm going to trust God despite the difficulty of my situation. And I'm going to praise him. I'm going to sing to him even though I cannot see him. You notice what he said in verse 8. He says, awake my glory. What does that mean? What does that mean, awake my glory? Well, most people seem to think it must mean uh, he's speaking of his soul. Uh, He's speaking of his innermost being or perhaps his face. And we could perhaps translate it kind of roughly as he's saying, cheer up. He's saying, arise, stir yourself. He's saying there is hope. Despite it being dark right now, because God is on his side, there is hope. And he stirs himself up. He says, get up, shake yourself. Don't despair. It reminds me of a story I heard a preacher say, uh, and he said how he saw a picture uh, on a wall somewhere about in a museum, I don't know, uh, of an old, burnt-out mountain shack. And all that remained uh, of this mountain shack was um, a chimney. And the charred debris, uh, that was the charred debris of this family's only possession. And in front of this destroyed house, there stood an old man, uh, dressed only in his underclothes, with a small boy clutching a pair of patched overalls. And it was evident from the picture that the boy was crying. But beneath the picture were written words which the artist felt the old man must be speaking to the boy. Uh, They were simple words, yet they presented a profound understanding of God. The words were, hush child, God ain't dead. God ain't dead. And that is almost exactly what David is essentially saying to himself here. He says, yes, I'm in the dark right now. Yes, I'm surrounded by my enemies and the enemies of God. But God ain't dead. God is still alive. His promises still apply even here. And he speaks to himself. And he reminds himself that God is still alive. That's a wonderful encouragement to us as well. And as I read that, I couldn't but think of Romans 8, where the Apostle Paul writes to believers. And he says, nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. Uh, Not death, nor life, nor calamities, nor perplexities, nor whatever bad thing that can happen in life. Paul says nothing can separate us from the love of Christ. It's true to say for a believer, the worst that can happen to you is that you die. That's a strange thing to say. Sure, it's the worst thing. But it's not for a believer. Because Jesus has conquered death. Jesus is alive. He's risen from the dead and he's never going to die again. So no matter what calamity we find ourselves in, No matter what dark cave we are led into, 
there is always a way out through Christ. Perhaps not in this life, but certainly in the next. So we can say with David in verse 3, He shall send from heaven and save me. He reproaches the one who would swallow me up. God shall send forth his mercy and his truth. So David praises God. Despite not perhaps feeling like it, he decides to praise God because God's promises are true whether he feels it or not. That leads to the second thing David does. Did you notice what he does in verse 8 again? He says, awake my glory, get up, cheer up, God is alive. Then he says, awake, lute and harp. Awake, lute and harp. David says, I'm not going to wait until I feel better before I praise God. He says, get out the lute, get out the harp, get out the instruments so that I can worship God. God has given music to us as a gift. There's a reason why we sing to instruments because music has a wonderful ability to stir up our hearts and when attached to meaningful words of God's truth it helps us see more clearly who God is so David just doesn't sit down and wait for something to happen he gets up as it were and I know he's in a cave but as it were he gets up to go to church He goes to meet with God's people. He sings praises to God. He stirs up his heart so that he can see what is truly there. This is our big problem in life. Um, We live so often by what we see with our eyes and not by what God says. And we need each other. We need church. We need good hymns and songs to remind us of what reality is. And that's the lesson from David's reaction here. Don't just sit and wait to praise God. Rely on what God says, even if you are not feeling it, and express truth about God in praise to him. And then David says, thirdly, what he's going to do with the lute and the harp and with his worship. Verse 8, he says, I will awaken the dawn. I will awaken the dawn. I love uh, this phrase. uh, Because what David's saying is this. He's saying, I'm in the dark. My soul is in the nighttime, as it were. But because I trust in God, he's going to bring me to the dawn. Now, normally, it's the dawn that awakens us. Some of us, it's a bit later than the dawn. But we get awoken when the sun rises. But what David's saying here, he says, no, when the dawn rises, it's going to find me praising God. I'm not going to wait till I feel better to praise God. I'm going to feel better after I've started to praise God. I will awaken the dawn. God is true whether it is night or day. I will awaken the dawn. Too often... Uh, We think that God has only heard our prayer when the morning comes or when the storm passes. But God is with us all the way through. Uh, He is pleased by our cries in the night time. 
It brings joy to God's heart when we cry out to him, even when we do not feel it and we do not feel his presence with us. And Satan has no answer to that. What can Satan do in reply to that? He tries to pour doubts in our hearts. He tries to pour grief into our heart. He makes us feel afraid and anxious. Uh, The book of Revelation says he's the accuser of the brethren. And Satan will do everything he can to dampen our spirits. But if we praise God, even when our spirits are low, if we praise God even when we're anxious, even when we're grieving, even when we are miserable, then Satan has no more weapon. There's nothing he can do to destroy us because all his best efforts have failed. So that's the third thing David does. He praises God even in the night, in the firm confidence that the dawn will come. So I trust those thoughts are a comfort to you. I don't know what situation you find yourself. Uh, Perhaps you're in a time of joy at the moment. Uh, Perhaps things are good and things are going well. But rest assured, that won't be forever. Uh, Bad times will come. And when they do, remember Psalm 57. Remember to praise God even in the darkness. Because no matter what happens, nothing, if you are a believer, can separate you from the love of Christ. And that's why I've chosen as our last hymn, number 612. It's a very short hymn, but it's a hymn which gets to the centre of the issue. Number 612. Jesus, Jesus, all-sufficient, beyond telling is thy worth. In thy name lie greater treasures than the riches found on earth. So we'll close by singing 612.